Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. We are super excited on the show today uh, to have a person I've looked up to for a very long time. Joe has looked up to one of the most recognizable faces uh, in, in exercise and also a, a person who's, who's, you know, the face of a exercise system that's influenced everything I do heavily and what Joe does, uh, Mr. Dave Castro. How are you today? Good, Bobby. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on your uh, your show and yeah, chat. No, no, thank you. And, and listen, this, this might seem a little disjointed because there's so much we want to ask you just because uh, I'll talk a little bit about my history with CrossFit, but a lot of people don't realize is I coached Ute CrossFit the years they won the games back to back in 2012 and 2013. And the, a lot of the programming I do today, if you look at it, it was formed during training those teams. Uh, the mixture yeah. of strength, uh, the mixture of you know cardiovascular power, endurance uh, of endurance. I, I don't think people realize or give credit to, and, and I'll talk about him a little bit. But like, what an incredible athlete Tommy Hackenbrook is all around. It was actually working with those teams that I realized that I'm probably not as fit as I think I am because there are, there are some people, I mean, listen, Dave, I can, I can deadlift over 600. I can overhead squat 385, but Tommy can do those things and then go out and run a three hour marathon. That is not in my wheelhouse. And so I realized during that time with him, like Adrian Conway, Tommy, Mike Kazayu, uh, uh, Ali Saruti, Mandy Janowicz, like there are some, I, I just, it just blew my mind that people could do all these things. Um, can you give us a little bit of a background of how you got involved with CrossFit? Yeah, for sure. So I was in the, uh, I was in the Navy, I was in the Navy for 12 years. And, um, early on I went into, um, the SEAL pipeline. I became a SEAL and fitness was really important to us in training. And so, uh, I was always interested in, in, uh, becoming fitter and exploring, um, the different routes to, to achieve fitness for my job. And, um, I was big into climbing. I got really big into, um, rock climbing and mountaineering. And so I started reading a lot of books, um, that had to do with training for climbing because the, the type of missions we were doing overseas in, in the mountains of, of Afghanistan, had us hiking a lot and and carrying gear, rucking to uh, to our targets. So I figured what a lot of the climbers were doing, especially especially the alpinists, might be good training for um, for what I was doing overseas. And that led me to uh, some of Mark Twight's works, actually uh, Extreme Alpinism and some of the other books he wrote and his philosophy on on how to train for. Um, for his climbing and his endeavors was fascinating to me. Most of what I read, and at the time, it was all LSD training. It was all long bike rides, long runs, long endurance stuff to prepare you for these long approaches and these long climbs. Well, so that's how I trained. I did a lot of running. I didn't do a lot of weightlifting. didn't do a, do a lot of um, strength training other than body weight stuff. And at the time in the SEAL teams, there honestly, not a lot of people were doing power lifts or Olympic lifts. Whenever anybody was using a barbell, it was for bodybuilding like training. A lot of bench, a lot of uh, squats, but but not to depth, and, uh, and a lot of 
uh, machines, a lot of machines, uh, bodybuilding type machines, leg extensions, et cetera. So I went down the path and, and typically there were, there were a couple segments of guys that were like the runners and the lightweight guys and the big strong guys. I was definitely one of the runners and lightweight guys, but I, I enjoyed the long distance stuff, the LSD training. So I went down that path on missions in Afghanistan where we'd insert and have to hike over these mountain ranges to get to the targets. I wasn't feeling like I had a lot of energy and I was feeling gas when I got to these targets. And so we'd have, we had this loop around the base we were at in Kabul where I think it was five miles, Kabul, outside of Kabul actually. And uh, I'd run it all the time. And then since I wasn't feeling great on target, I thought, well, the solution was run it more. So I increased running five mile laps or five miles to doing, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten miles. That still didn't, still didn't pay off on target. So we come back from this deployment and the team I was at, we have a lot of, uh, we had a lot of resources and ability to train with um, the best in the world in regards to shooting, in regards to parachuting and in regards to stuff like climbing. So I was big into climbing and I set up a climbing trip and I uh, contacted Mark quite actually, because I looked up to him and he was uh, one of the best climbers in the world. And he brought together a team of climbers and we went on a trip to Yosemite and it was a week-long trip where um, he brought in some of the best climbers in the world, and we had some of our climbers. And uh, it was a great trip, a trip of a lifetime. I got to climb with a bunch of people I looked up to and really respected and did some stuff on LCAP and did some stuff I never would have done before. Well, one of the evenings, we were back at our uh, lodge chatting, chatting it up, and I asked Mark, I go, so tell me more about your training. Tell me what you like to do. You know, how long, how, how, how much LSD stuff do you do, long, slow distance? What, where, where are you now? And his response blew me away. He goes, I don't do any of that anymore. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't train like that at all. I go, well, you're like the endurance guy. That's your whole, your whole like everything related to training at this time um, that I know of you is around LSD training. And he goes, I do something else now. I go, what do you do? He goes, I do CrossFit. And I go, well, what's that? And he goes, well, it's functional movements. It's a lot of pull-ups, push-ups, deadlifts, squats, cleans, and you combine them all into these elements and you do them as fast as you can and therefore time and, and you get great results out of it. And they're really short and intense. Now, here's the thing. For those of you who don't know Mark Twight, he's not this like huge physically imposing guy. He's kind of small and he, he just, he doesn't especially for what I'd call a seal, look the part. But I don't look the part either, but whatever. He didn't look the part and he didn't, he didn't look too imposing. So it's kind of like, all right, well, maybe he's just gone off this crazy path and he doesn't know what he's talking about because um, what he's describing to me sounds crazy and it doesn't sound like it's a good training protocol. So I left that trip. And then I went home and I started reading up. I started going to the CrossFit website. I started reading up on the program and the methodology and watching all the videos and looking at it. And I go, man, this stuff looks really intense and it looks really challenging because up until this point, I was never exposed to the Olympic lifts. I was never exposed to, to those movements. And, and the thing with most CrossFit movements and we can talk about this a little later too in depth, is they're intelligent. They're intelligent movements, meaning you have to train them, you have to practice them, and you have to put some thought into actually doing the movement. Whereas traditional gym movements, say they have no intelligence. You just step into a machine and the machine tells you what to do. Because of that, a lot of the movements in CrossFit in the beginning were very intimidating to me. And I didn't, um, 
I didn't want to give it a try. So for months, literally months, I just studied and researched, did my own tradition way of training, but watched CrossFit, learned more about CrossFit, uh, started to comprehend what they were doing. This was around 2005. I went on a deployment to Afghanistan and there was a guy on the team who was known for being really fit and he had like, uh, he trained outside the box from how everyone else does. His name was Dan. And, um, we were sitting in our little room in our, uh, our little internet room where we had a couple computers where guys could get online. And I did what I always do. I checked, um, I was checking the main site Well, he sat down next to me and he was on a computer doing whatever he does. And, uh, he looked over and he saw what I was looking at and he's like, Oh, what's this? I go, Oh, it's CrossFit. And he goes, what's that? I go, well, it's this training uh, protocol that uses functional movements with high intensity. And, um, it's, it's pretty gnarly. It gets you results fast. He goes, all right, that looks awesome. I go, yeah, you should give it a try. He goes, I will. So he then starts training CrossFit and he thinks that I do CrossFit, but I don't do CrossFit <laughs> because I'm intimidated by it and afraid to, uh, to, to drink the Kool-Aid essentially. So I watch him for weeks on end, months on end, and I start seeing all the results he's getting from the program. And he's coming back to me and raving about how much he likes it and, and how much it's helping him. So he was, he was my experiment. Uh, that whole deployment, I didn't do it. I came back from that deployment, actually broke my leg in a training accident. And that set me back a little bit. But then after that, I decided, decided to start doing CrossFit. I just said, okay, I've seen enough. I've been studying it enough. I've seen enough um, results from other people. So I dove, dove into it and just started doing CrossFit.com, following the main site. And um, that was in late 2005. And then I've never, I've never looked back and I've never trained any other way since then. And I've never had any major injuries either. I've had a little, I've been banged up or dinged up, but never been injured and fell in love with it and instantly saw results overseas, instantly saw results on, 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 uh, missions. And I was hooked and I fell in love with it and realized, yeah, this is the best way to have a total physical capability of total package for, especially for someone like someone like us as SEALs being a, um, prepared for everything in a jack of all trade and not being too specific or specialized in any one thing. That was the way to train. And I still is the way to train. And it, it, uh, I fell in love with it. What was your, I always ask people this, uh, I wasn't military myself. I fought in the UFC. I was a cop for a number of years. I've worked with most of the tier one assets, like teaching them physical conditioning. But a lot of us have a very similar mentality. What was your aha moment? Like, what was the workout that got you hooked? I did, I did this thing with a bunch of wall balls and ball slams. And I thought I was fit. I mean, I was fighting in the UFC. I was incredibly fit. And this thing left me with, I want to say micro tears in my fucking legs. I couldn't walk for a week where I was like, oh shit. Okay. This style of training is real. What was yeah. the workout? One that of the did? first workouts I did ever was, uh, it was five rounds. Of, it's a main site workout. It's been up a handful of times over the years. It's five rounds of uh, overhead walking lunge with an empty barbell. And I think it was 21 burpees. And uh, I looked at it on paper and I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is going to be so easy. Just walk with an empty barbell and then do some burpees and repeat it five times. And it was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done in terms of physical training. And, and it's that way every workout, if you do it right and appropriately, every workout has that. It's like, okay, on paper, this looks so easy. But then when you actually tackle them, it's like, oh my God, that's horrible. And uh, same thing with Fran. Fran was one of the first workouts I did. And 
just destroyed me. I didn't know how to kick or anything like that. And I wasn't really strong. So the thrusters were really difficult, but um, yeah, they, they all, they all hit me like that. They all hit me. I, I, I remember when, when I started CrossFit, that was like the, the conversation I would have with my, my coach starting each class was like, okay, what's the trick here? Like what it looks like a, but yeah. I know it's not going to be a, like, what are you hiding? Like, what's the game? Yeah. now now one thing everyone talks about is how hard crossfit is um people talk about getting crushed during workouts and i do too because that's my personality i'm a hard head but when i was with the university of western ontario i was i was wrestling and we learned a lot about a guy named john jesse who did a wrestling encyclopedia uh pat o'shea these things called iwt's we did it wasn't called hit training back in the day but we did a lot of it I don't think a lot of people understand the scientific uh, stuff that's behind CrossFit. It's not just some circuit training somebody embedded. Like it's it, there's a lot of science rooted in it. Um, why don't why don't you think that people understand that a little more worldwide? What's the barrier there? Is it is it jealousy? Is it is it they're focused on getting crushed? Well, the thing is here, here here's where the the science in it really exists is in the fact that it works so well. And what I mean by that is the results that you get, um, the magic is in the movement, the art is in the programming and the sciences and the explanation is a, is a phrase that Greg coined a long time ago. And, and that really um, answers a lot of the questions in terms of the magic is in the movements. And, and when you combine those movements and you do it with intensity, there's a myriad of results you're going to get from it it's so it's so potent and so effective that um and so here's the thing and it's funny saying this it's so easy to do and so easy to get results from meaning you don't need to have this super specialized programming this super specialized program with all these follow this and follow this and there's not this huge barrier to entry to get in and we gave it away free for so long online. Everything you needed to do to do it effectively was, was on the website. So a lot of the other people, a lot of the other people who develop really disciplined programs, they're insulted by it because we put all this work into these phases and these tempos and, and all this. You need my specific programming to see results. And then something like CrossFit comes along, which is, uh, I think, really simple to do in application once you understand how to do the movements and so effective. And, and we're not trying to, we don't try to bullshit anybody with like um, this magic way of doing it or this, this sequence is, is so much better than everyone else's and you need to do follow A, B, C, D. Basically what we're saying is, Hey, Hey, take these movements, combine them into some patterns and do them really hard and really fast. And you're going to see results. And it's, and it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward and simple. And uh, so a lot of the other people, a lot of these other programs, they wanted to elevate it and make training such a high thing and hard thing to get to and to, 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 to get results from. And really, Greg and CrossFit said, no, man, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's simple. You just got to put the work in. You got to go hard and uh, and you'll see results from it quickly. So um, but that all all that being said, yeah, um, Work capacity across broad time and modal domain. Some of our definitions, um, those those all support, those all validate what we're doing, and it's all defensible. But it's also all so 
easy. We make it easy to give to people. We make it easy for people to do. And um, that's the power in it. There's, there's not people overcomplicate training. People oftentimes mm-hmm. overcomplicate training and make it sound so like I have the special package for you. This is what you need to do. And it's really not that complicated. Yeah. And with some intelligent thought, with some intelligent, lay it out and you can get results quickly and well. You were, you were obviously part of CrossFit early on, earlier than, than Joe and I. If you took what people are doing today in CrossFit versus, say, 2005, has it, has it changed a lot? Has it evolved a lot? Would, would someone, if you took someone from 2005 and just dropped them <laughs> into an affiliate right now, would they be like just the same thing or has it evolved a ton? Some, some are the same. Others have evolved. Um, and there's everything in between. Here's what's happened a lot. I think a lot of people, um, not everyone, but some people do too much. There's a lot of affiliates and a lot of uh, gyms who just, they have an hour block and they just pack all this stuff in with, uh, for their clients. And oftentimes more isn't better, less is more. And I think, uh, and that's what you saw back in the day in 2005, you know, there'd be one workout in a class and, and that would be plenty because you just give it your all. Now there's a lot for that one workout. There's a lot of preparation and a lot of skill and a lot of warm up that goes in prior to doing that workout. But nowadays I feel like everyone feels there has to be a strength element. There has to be a, a, a Metcon and then there has to be another element. And they just try to pack a lot in to keep their clients interested and to keep people stimulated. But really I think, Arguably, you're doing more damage because you're not you're not letting the person be able to adapt to just one thing. You know, one of the things I hate seeing is a strength day should be a strength day, and um, people people combine them with other things. But when you combine them with other things, there's time and place. There's a time and place for that, but it's not on a on a regular basis. Sometimes you just have to go in the gym and work on your deadlift or work on your back squat and spend an hour warm up and take the time in between sets to uh to get the adaptation from it so nowadays i think we see more people doing multiple things and there's a couple reasons for that in a class one is the influence of the games athletes people see those guys and they train so much and they train so often that they think okay this is what would be good for my clients the problem with that is you don't see the years of foundation most of those guys have before they ever got to that point so you, you take that out. And the other thing is this idea of, of people feeling they get their bang for the, their buck when they go into the class. People really just want to have uh, their clients do a lot. Some people uh, at a certain stage in CrossFit can handle um, all that volume and multiple workouts. Not every can. I've been doing CrossFit now for 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. And I still only train uh, I just do one thing when I go in. I'll focus on that. I'll warm up for it. And I'll, I'll do, you know, one workout. And that's all I have energy for. That's all I really want to do. I, I couldn't imagine doing multiple uh, multiple things. Now, if you are going to do multiple things, the way to attack it is really with less intensity for those other things. So it's okay to do, let's say you're going to do Fran as your workout and also do some, maybe some lightweight snatch skill development just to work on technique. Totally support that. I totally support that. Dude, and that helps you warm up for this. But what I don't support is um, we're going to do Fran today, but before Fran, in 10 minutes, we're going to establish a one rep back squat snatch. 
that's just too much and it's, it's setting your people up for failure. Uh, a, to do a one rep max squat snatch, you, you're, that's, a big, that's a big mental and physical demand on an individual. And it's going to take a lot of, out of you if you're doing it correctly. Then to go into something like Fran, you've already fatigued yourself significantly from the other. So something's losing in, in something's yeah, losing. I think you're, you're spot on with that. I remember doing, um, oh gosh, way back when I did the, the CrossFit Mobility Seminar when Kelly Starrett was in town. Uh, and he had, he had kind of cracked a joke about like, Oh, we're going to do a workout today. It'll be a one rep max deadlift. And everybody got really excited because who, you know, who doesn't love that? He said, yeah, we're just going to run a lap around the building first. And it's like, <laughs> like that changes <laughs> things. And so I, I totally agree. Like if you're going to do Fran, like hit Fran, like warm up and hit Fran. If you're going to snatch first, you're not getting the same Fran that you're going to get afterwards. Yeah. Um, but my, my experience when I, when I first got uh, my level one back in, in 2011, um, I, I remember doing the, the programming portion of that seminar with uh, Chris Spieler. He was a fantastic, uh, uh, I guess, ringleader. Um, and that influenced how I programmed for my affiliate for the next 10 years when I had to re-up my level one because I went back and did the level one again. It was absolutely inspiring as to how little things had changed. And yeah. being, being one of the only people there who's, who's going through it for the second time, a lot of the instructors are pulling me aside being like, like, what do you see? Like, how does this compare with how it was five <laughs> years ago? And it's like, it's so refreshing that like, it really hasn't changed. In fact, I felt like um, there was much more emphasis on CrossFit being, you know, three on one off strength days or strength days, mixed modality days or mixed modality days. It was laid out better. Like not, not that the program evolved, but the way that they described it got better. And, and my, I guess my question for you, which this is something I've been dying to ask you forever, the difference between the training and the testing. So what you look at on the main site as this is kind of what CrossFit is, and this is the methodology. And, and, you know, like I said, it hasn't really changed that much over the years, but it has evolved versus writing a program for something like the open or regionals or the games where you're getting different calibers of athletes and you're trying to do this elimination. Um, first of all, how fun is that to come up with those challenges? And then second of all, like how hard is it to try to find a good way to, to measure those athletes without accidentally selecting certain attributes? Yeah, it's interesting because that's a great question. The training is also the testing oftentimes, meaning like whenever we're training, that also is, then that's the feedback loop with CrossFit. Those are also always tests that you can refer back to to see progress and to see improvement or to compare a cohort of individuals. Um, that being said, I call events at the CrossFit Games events and I don't call them workouts because I don't view them as workouts. When they happen at the CrossFit Games or even when they happen in the open, um, it's more than a workout at that stage. Once it's given in that environment, it's a test, it's a challenge, it's, a, uh, it's an event. Um, they, there's stuff that I would program as a workout that I would never program as a games event or an open event for a variety of reasons and oftentimes very different reasons. Uh, one with the open, let's talk with the open. You got to think those for the most part have to be very inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be something that uh, every individual in cross, everyone who's exposed to CrossFit with, with very little, uh, with very little experience in CrossFit can do it. Here's the truth. I mean, we say the open's open for everybody and anyone can do it. That's true, but to a point. I mean, if you've never done CrossFit and don't know some of these movements, you probably can't do um, a lot of the open. There's scaled versions you could easily do, 
but to do the RX would require some experience in CrossFit. Now those have to, um, they have to be, um, everybody has to be able to do them, but they also have to be challenging to um, the best in the world. So there's different ways we, we accomplish that with open workouts. Some, some are just, you know, max efforts in 10 minutes of, of a set format of a set triplet or couplet where you go as hard as you can and do as much as you can in 10 minutes. And, you know, someone like myself, we get four or five rounds, but the best in the world are just able to go uh, crazy at 10, 11 rounds. Uh, that's one way to where everyone can play the weights light enough to where people like myself and a normal person can do it. But when the weights light enough where we can do it, it's light enough for those guys to do much, uh, many more rounds and much faster. And so that's the separator there. Then there's workouts where we say, okay, or tests where um, we're going to have bridges essentially. And basically someone like myself is going to get, uh, let's say it starts with uh, 135 clean, has some pull-ups and has a 155 clean, has some pull-ups and 185 clean. And you keep having these bridges where it gets higher. So someone of my level is probably going to get to the 185 clean and, and get get through that, maybe not get to the 225 clean and get stuck. And that's okay because in the time limit, that's about what my ability will allow me to do anyways. But in that same time limit, the best guys are able to blaze through all that stuff and then go to these gates where there's 225, 255, 275. And so, so that's some of the thinking and process that goes into the, the open workouts to make them inclusive, but also to make them a test for, for, um, for the best in the world. And, and that's a different you, way of you, thinking about them than when you, <laughs> I got to ask Go this ahead. question. Cause I'll get killed if I don't, do you ever just throw in muscle ups just to, just to clear the field a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But and interestingly, um, in the, a few years ago, we put muscle ups at the beginning of a workout and that was really controversial. It started with three muscle ups and seven snatches. And so if you didn't have a muscle up, your open workout ended right there. But what it did was it pushed people to get their first muscle up because oftentimes in, uh, in affiliate training and working out at a gym, um, sometimes another thing that you see a lot is some of the more, and I don't consider it muscle high skill, but some people do, uh, at, at the base level it is for, if you, especially if you don't have it, it's a higher skill movement. Um, it's easy for affiliate owners and gym owners not to push their clients mm -hmm. to do them or ask them to do them because it's challenging and, and they're not going to be able to get them uh, in the beginning. And it takes work to get them. So so what we saw when we programmed that in the open was it pushed people like, oh, man, my gym hasn't had me do muscle ups or push me to do this. Now I have to try. And, and you saw a lot of people get them. So there's some events or some workouts where we did it like that, where we put it right in the beginning. And then there's others where we put them as a gateway, mm -hmm. you know, get this amount of work done. So you do something and then here's the muscle ups. And if you have them, you can advance. And if you can't, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree exactly with that. And I also say it, they're harder to coach. Like it's, it's a more specialized yeah. thing and, and uh, you know, hats off again to CrossFit because of the the variety of training, you know, the, the weekend seminar where you get your first t-shirt and your level one, you can't cover it. 
everything about athletics in there. So like, it was cool to do that. It's definitely worthwhile. Highly, highly recommended always will, but going to like the gymnastics seminar, the powerlifting seminar, and like just having that time and, and focusing with experts in those fields, making those connections. That's what's really made my career more than anything. It's that CrossFit was a language that bound all these different disciplines together. And I think for a lot of folks, like you said, trying to coach people to a muscle up, if you've got no gymnastics background, like where do you even begin? Um, but I don't want to sidetrack you because I'm, I'm dying to hear how this is different in regionals because well, now you're, talking, they, um, now you're talking with a different level of athlete, right? Yes. Yeah, so the regionals, let's skip the regionals. Let's just go to the games because we don't right. even do the regionals anymore. So let's just yeah, go yeah, to yeah. The <laughs> and just make the conversation more uh, succinct and focused. Um, now at the game, there's a lot of other variables to take into uh, consideration. One, they're all really good. So you don't need to worry about starting off light and being accessible to everyone else. But you have a visual component. You have a theatrical portion to mm-hmm. it, meaning you have to create a workout on a floor or on a field of play that is uh, spectators are going to watch, that we're going to show on ESPN or CBS or Facebook, that we're going to show to the world via the net. Um, so those considerations necessitate a different train of thought for programming. How am I going to lay this workout out to be a visual? Let's take Fran as an example again, because it's a, uh, something we've referenced here earlier, 259 thrusters and pull-ups in the open. If we did Fran, you would have one pull-up bar and you'd have uh, one bar and you do it in place at your gym. When you do Fran as part of your class. That's how you do it. You could do that at the games, and we have done that at the games. But over years and years of doing this, we realized, okay, well, what if we have one pull-up bar here and then three barbells, and each barbell represents your advancement in the workout. So you do your 21 pull-ups, 21 thrusters. Actually, it starts with thrusters. 21 thrusters, 21 pull-ups. Then you go to the second bar, 15, 15, 9, 9. And what that shows is progression for who's winning what I like to call the horse race. Yeah, these, yeah. these athletes are all thoroughbreds. They're all, yeah. I, I view them as horses because <laughs> horses are such incredible beasts. And well, if, uh, you ever, if you ever pat these guys on the back, it's just like patting a horse too. They're so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's one way to lay out the horse race. Another way to take that even a step further, and we can do this with great partners like Rogue, is now the ultimate expression of that is here's the first rig. Um, here's your first pull-up bar. Here's your thruster. Um, so you do 21 thrusters, 21 pull-ups. Then you have a second bar here, 15 thrusters, another pull-up bar here, 15 pull-ups. And then it's just a complete race down the field, a slow slow motion uh, horse race down the field. So those are the type of things that are taken into consideration when creating events um, for the visual for the CrossFit Games. Then, of course, loading and stimulus. And and you can't ever create one, one event or workout at the CrossFit Games or even regionals without taking everything else into consideration. So everything else for the rest of the weekend has to talk to each other and has to kind of form this complete comprehensive test. Meaning, you know, if we had Fran as one workout, 259 thrusters and pull-ups, Fran is thrusters and pull-ups and it takes about three minutes. So later in the week having, um, thrusters and pull-ups in a short, you know, let's say 15, 12, nine at 135 pounds. Those are two similar in, in movement patterns they are identical and they're too similar in time domains where they'd be both really fast. So those two typically wouldn't 
play nicely in the same weekend. That being said, it's worth exploring. You, I'm not going to say you'd never do that, but you might do that just to fuck with people's heads and see yeah. how they perform. So, so there is a level of like, of being a mad scientist here too. You do come up with more crazy stuff, but you don't always. Yeah. Do there's, there's times when you do things that don't seem like that doesn't fit or that doesn't make sense or why are you doing that? Um, there's a reason why there's, there's, there's maybe something like that where I just said, you know, just to, fuck with them mentally and see how they do like, damn, I have to do thrusters and pull-ups again at high intensity. Um, so oftentimes when things look like on the surface levels, like they don't make sense at the games, there, there's a reason like that for it. So one of the things that I've always wanted to ask when I was coaching Tommy's teams, one of the most difficult things for me as a coach were trying to prepare those guys adequately for the games because yeah, we, didn't know what. What we, were yeah. gonna, we didn't know what we were going to get. Like I, I, there was one year actually, uh, David, I can send you the program. It was 2013 that Adrian Conway pulled me aside and said, did you get the workouts in advance? Because <laughs> I had just, I had just guessed right. And everything those guys were doing, I was making them run 400 repeats over and over and over again. And that year there was a 400 relay and they were like, you have like an inside man or something like that. Is there any pressure? Is there any pressure on you guys to make a unified series events for the games or, or in your mind, is it always going to be, you don't know what you're going to get coming in as an athlete? Well, here's what's interesting. Let's say we wanted to make a significant push to the Olympics. There, there could be a format. There could be an event or format that is a fixed amount of workouts and they're always the same. And basically athletes can train for those and specialize. And I think that's how we'd make a push to go that route if we if we ever wanted to. We don't at this point. But um, the unknown and unknowable, training for the un- un- unknown and unknowable is such an important tagline and belief to CrossFit that and the ultimate expression of it is what happens at the CrossFit Games. And so the fact that these guys have to train for everything and anything um, is a beautiful thing. And it prepares them really well, and it truly brings the fittest alive. Now, there are there is limitations to train for everything and anything. I mean, obviously, in functional movements, with, with things that you typically see in CrossFit, um, with stuff you'd find in nature. I mean, we're not going to ever throw someone out there and have them do one rep max leg extensions, you know, or or or, uh, <laughs> or, or, or yeah. one rep max flies, you know. So you can pretty much narrow down and and on that the beauty in that is what should you train well uh, core crossfit and basic uh foundational things and like running 400 perfect example yeah that's a, that's never gonna hurt you if you're doing those and even if it, you didn't see them at the games that's gonna help you in so many other things that you'd see at the games mm-hmm. it just happened to be that that was one thing we tested there that year so it really played in and nicely, but um, for teams and individuals, you just stay, stick to the basics and core CrossFit. Uh, you'll be prepared. Uh, you'll be on the right path to prepare for for what you see at the games. Because because so here's another thing: you we do program sometimes these wild things or these new implements or these new devices. But even then, they usually have a pretty core and functional element to them. Whereas the rest of your training will benefit you uh, in that in that movement. And when you have, if you were to take a look at all the different years of games and look at all the programming, there's never a year where it's just all this off-wall stuff. 
if you look at all, let's call it 10 workouts, there's usually uh, 12 to 14 in recent years. Let's say there's 10, at least half of them are like pure CrossFit, meaning barbell and, and pull-up or, or uh, barbell and body weight, I should say, and multiple couplets and triplets that are, are pure CrossFit. And then the other half are, are outside the outside the pure spectrum, maybe cycling or maybe um, some movements that you typically don't see in a gym or, or in a CrossFit workout combined with things you do. But we do, we do have this, this baseline of core things. So it's never just all crazy things. With the, uh, I'm glad you brought up the Olympics because I actually really want to see CrossFit as an <laughs> Olympic sport. I, uh, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, and it's funny because it was a Reebok ad. Do you remember the old Dan versus Dave ads yeah, from Reebok? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, the, the athletes. Yeah. And, yeah. and someone asked me, I look at CrossFit as the modern day decathlete. I was actually on a list of the hundred fittest people of all time. Mm-hmm. And number one was Rich Froning. And awesome. someone asked me if I agreed with it. And I said, well, hell yeah. Like he is the modern day decathlete, the man who is good at everything. But I've seen CrossFit develop into a real genuine sport over the last few years. And I say that because to compete at the games now, it almost has to be your full-time thing. The days of, in 2008, Tommy could walk in having worked out a bunch and do okay. In 2013, we were on a full-fledged 14-hour-a-week training program with a massage therapist, cryotherapy, saunas, like the, the whole deal. So I, I really want to see it as an Olympic sport so that the I think the cross lead athletes get the, get the recognition they deserve for how fit they are, because I don't think your average person understands what a Matt Frazier, a Rich Froning, a, I got to throw Tommy's name in there because I love him, but I don't think they understand what these people go through. Well, interestingly, something you said, you opened this up with, you have a 600 pounds deadlift and a 380 overhead squat, but what you quickly, um, also said to separate that is someone like Tommy can then also run a sub three hour marathon. Well, that's, here's what's crazy about these guys. So I don't know if, I, mean, I don't think Matt's he's in the fives. He's like, let's call it 550 deadlift, 560 deadlift, probably a 350 overhead squat, but also could then do these. So a one rep max overhead squat, a one rep max deadlift. That's a, that's a one, that's a test of doing it once. We also do the same sort of things where we test these things, but how about do that uh, 50 times? So let's say 50 deadlifts at 225, or let's say 315, 50 deadlifts at 315, um, and that's just in isolation. That we would view as also a good test, and those guys will do very well at that. Um, maybe not you because you train with CrossFit-like principles, but um, and you're very strong, but those guys in that measure of 50 reps, well, that, you know, even when you, back this up and say Grace and Isabel. So Grace and Isabel, Olympic weightlifting purists have such an issue with uh, yeah. the fact that you're doing, that we're doing 30 snatches or 30 clean and jerks as fast as we can. There's really honestly um, not much difference from that test in terms of think of it in uh, philosophically as a test than a one rep max. We've just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to fix the weight at 135 and you're going to do that as fast as you can. So these guys have a 300 pound snatch and they can also do um, 30 clean and jerks or 30 squat snatches or 30 snatches, let's call it, in a minute. 
the, the, the significance of that, they don't have that because they can snatch 300 pounds. They have that because their engine and this ability to push their body and redline the engine, the whole thing, that's another aspect for testing. These guys are like machines with these incredible engines. They're not just strong. They're not just fast, but these they have this ability to move and not stop and generate power and accomplish work in a short amount of time better than anyone else in the world. And that's what's being measured. When, when people see 2159 thrusters pull-ups, when people see 30, 30 um, clean and jerks, they think it's silly elements that are combined for, for a silly workout, but it's an actual, it's a measurement of completing amount, an amount of work and who can complete that amount of work the fastest. The way people do uh, see something like that and, and it can click with them is when you dumb it down and say, okay, we have 50 sandbags over here and you have to move them from here to here. The average person see that, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. That's mm-hmm. something you'd have to do it. And there's a measure of fitness in moving that to that. But that's the same thing as, as, as 30 clean and jerks for time or 30 snatches or even some of the other couplets and triplets we do. It's just hard to wrap your head around that those are actual tests of, uh, that those are measurable tests of fitness. Do you have to try hard to not favor a certain body weight or does it just happen? And, and I'll add something else to our talk. I happen to weigh 261 pounds, Damn. which means, which means that, uh, Matt Frazier deadlift in five fifty is probably a little more impressive than my, you know, my, my, my six eighty. But, um, I have often said that there's an ideal body type emerging for CrossFit. Like if you're six, six, 300 pounds, you, you're not running fast. You're not doing Fran that fast. You almost can't compete at the same time. I don't think you can be 120 and win. So you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. So there, through all of these years of testing and through what we've created um, at the games and there is an ideal body type for generating the highest amounts of power across all these different tests that is optimal. And there, that there are big guys that show up, Tommy Ackenbrook being one example. There's a few others, Elijah Muhammad, but they're outliers and every sport has outliers. Just like in basketball, there's an optimal height to succeed at basketball based off of what was created. The rim was created at 10 feet. And so six foot five, I think is the average of basketball, but that doesn't mean there wasn't guys like Spud Webb who were five, five. And there wasn't guys like Manute Bull who was seven, seven, but um, the tallest guys in basketball aren't the best guys and the shortest guys definitely are. We saw the same, we see the same thing in CrossFit. You have this ideal, it's, I'd say it's around 5'9 to 5'11, 185 to 200. Now it's drifting more towards the 200 side. I'd say probably 195. But there have been the Chris Feelers mm-hmm. and there are the Tommy Hackenbergs. So those guys are outliers, but there is definitely this, this physical size that is best at expressing um, work capacity across broad time and mobile domains at the games and, in, and, and being most efficient. And, and the, the shorter height helps you because, you know, uh, on squats, you're not moving as far. It, it, it plays out a lot with squatting. You don't have to move as far as someone like you. Um, even deadlifting, a smaller guy doesn't have to uh, pull the bar up as far. And now over one or two, it might not be too significant, but over 50 or 100, it really adds up. So 
there is an advantage to being short, but there's a disadvantage to being too short also mm-hmm. in, in a lot of other things. So and too short, not being able to have enough muscle mass, not being able to have enough, uh, some of the other movements where you do need some height to, to get over things, to jump, to run. Can I get can I get a heavyweight game so I can play? <laughs> can this be like a? Can we can we do like a CrossFit heavyweight so that me and Tommy can come out of retirement here? Or is this know, is this out of the question? It would be fun. It would be fun to have that, but as a sideshow, not as like the premier <laughs> live. I think a sideshow is exactly how I would describe that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because that's, that's the funny thing when you talk about Tommy as an outlier that always threw me was for a guy who's got a, a plus seven inch wingspan who almost played in the NFL running a three hour marathon for a guy who's two fifteen That's no joke. He can run a sub five, you know, sub five forty. He's got a 40 inch vertical. Like it always blew me away how good he was at, at little guy stuff. Did he get a three-hour marathon? Yeah. Like, he what is, was the time? Pardon? What was the, like, was it three-hour? No, 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 just under, 259. Jeez, um, that's impressive. And, and Tommy is just one of those guys, I will tell you with that dude, he's got this competitive switch. Yeah. That his, put it this way, his son Bobo is my son's best friend. They, they grew up together. Tommy has never let Bobo win. Oh, man, that's awesome. What do you mean you never let him win? He's got to learn to win on his own. Tommy would put a shoulder into my son if they were playing in the backyard to win a race. Uh, It's just that's that's the way he is. Um, But I would would love to see, uh, back to the Olympic sport thing, I would love to see it because, like I said, I don't think people understand how fit these guys are. You you look at people on the internet and – someone has nice abs and and a nice chest or they got a big deadlift and people say they're fit, but I don't think people understand what's under the hood of your top, not even your top 30 athletes, the top 60, you know? Yeah. I've got it. Something at the Olympics. I think it'd have to look like this. You'd have to have five or six tests. And, um, I would say two or three of them would have to be core CrossFit. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a Fran, like a Helen, and like, um, not Merv, but something we call it Cindy because Cindy's 20 minutes. So you have a 20 minute test in, in Cindy, you have a uh, 10, 11 minute test in Helen, and then you have a two or three minute test in Fran, and then also like a one rep max snatch and like a one rep max deadlift. And if you had like those five events, and those are the five events you do at the Olympics, um, the training for that would be CrossFit. So like, meaning if it was just one of those things, if it was just Fran and that was what was at the Olympics, you'd get these super small and super um, specialist guys. You just train for that all the time and they'd excel, but it would have to be inclusive enough to where you, you'd have to be, you know, a Matt Frazier to excel or to win because you're, you're strong enough. You have the endurance to go long. You have the power to go short. It'd have to be a, a well-balanced test. If we're if we're not going to the Olympics, so and and I'm on the edge of my seat every year to see where the sport's going. I actually liken it to mixed martial arts because when I fought the UFC in 05 and 06, it was like the birth of the sport. It's evolved a lot since then. What's what's the next stage in the evolution for for the sport of CrossFit? You know, we just we've just let it grow organically, and we we don't. Um, 
it's not even mainstream yet. And honestly, the next the next uh, evolution of it is it becoming more mainstream and more accepted as a sport only because it'll, it'll then open up the floodgates for the number of people participating. You know, we have these teen divisions and these uh, teenager divisions at, in the open. And um, that's the future and foundation of, of what the potential could be for the sport uh, going forward. But the part, the numbers we have of signups for those is really low. Like we have like 1,000 or 2,000 people uh, in the 16 to 17 boys division. No more than 2,000. Com- considering in the, um, in the adult divisions, we have 30, 40, 50,000 people in some of these divisions mm-hmm. sign up. So my point there is like, yeah, once this becomes more accepted and more mainstream and a lot of youth is wanting to compete and play in this and measure the, the um, those numbers and those divisions will climb incredibly, but those just lay the foundation for what's potential, what's potential in, in uh, going forward in terms of raising the bar and there being more Matt Frazier's because you start this at a young age and you lay the foundation and you have the right combination of training, probably genetics opportunity and all of this culminates you're, you're, you're going to see some monsters come yeah. out. Of well, the which one of us doesn't wish we had this, like when we were prep athletes, you know, in yeah, every one of us for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Now you're seeing that you're seeing that for sure. You're seeing people going to the games who, who were teen athletes, but I'm excited by the teen athletes that we do have. That field is really small mm-hmm. now. So we had a, we had, you know, like 2016 to 17 year old boys, register and compete in the open this last year. Imagine when that's 20,000, just meaning, cause then the future beasts coming out yeah. and going into not just CrossFit, but other sports and other things are going to be so fit going forward. Something I, I, I want to suggest for the games. Um, I, I've always wanted this in the Olympics and I have to credit George Carlin with coming up with it, but we need like a lane set up with just like, normal the average man just the average man just so we can see you know when when frazier's throwing that snatch up and the other guy's got to walk up to that barbell and it's like eh, like just <laughs> to put it into perspective um, well but then here's the cool thing about that exact example you you do say and it's kind of why the crossfit game is so popular amongst our cohort amongst crossfitters is because the when you go to the snatch everyone else who's been to a crossfit gym who's had to snatch realizes oh my god i've snatched 125 last week and these guys are snatching three 300, 325, and they weigh, you know, what I weigh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, so it's, CrossFitters are able to relate to what's happening at the games because, you know, when you see Brett Favre passing for 500 yards or, or um, mm-hmm. UFC fighters knocking someone out in five seconds, it's really hard for the average person to relate to that. But a CrossFit, an average CrossFitter can relate to what those guys are doing because they do it as a part of their I, I think that, that speaks to it as a, as a spectator sport too, because take something like Olympic weightlifting. If you've never done a snatch or a clean and jerk, it's kind of lame to watch. You're like, wow, that looks heavy. I don't know. But once I got into CrossFit and I got exposed to that, then I got really into Olympic weightlifting. And now it's, it's intense to watch. Um, Bobby, yeah, for you, it's yeah. jujitsu, right? When I was first watching UFC and, and, and Hoist Gracie was out there jujitsuing guys, it was like, oh, this is lame. Once I started to learn more about jujitsu, it got really intriguing and really interesting to watch. So I think that's a problem at CrossFit. I don't, I don't know that anybody's actually found a solution to that. Um, but I feel like CrossFit has an advantage because of the constant novelty of it. 
you know, but um, interestingly on that, if you haven't done CrossFit and you're trying to watch our events, you still run into the same problem with weightlifting because they just can't really relate as easily because they've never done it. Um, so how, how, how do we make it grow? Because it's something that I think's changed my life for the positive. A bunch of my friends, it's changed their life to the positive. Is that through a dedicated push to more affiliates? Is it a online education program? And especially in light of COVID, because a lot of people now are training at home. Um, I, I thought what Glassman did, uh, I want to say it was last year was brilliant. He was on 60 minutes. He was talking about health. I think that was a great move. And, and I loved it because it brought it in to the mainstream. Is it using the media? What, what's oh, where's crossing really- from here? it's just people have to care and want to change their lives and want to become fit. And as they delve into the path path of trying to, to improve their life, hopefully their loved ones or someone else they know will steer them towards CrossFit because CrossFit is the most effective way for an average person to get fit and improve their life and improve their health. And uh, that at that point, that's how we make CrossFit games grow. We need to make CrossFit grow, like you're saying, with the health message first. Let's support growing CrossFit is changing people's lives and making people healthier and doing something great for the world. Growing the games is is great and also good, but it's uh, it should it's secondary to just trying to. Uh, what's most important is getting people into the gyms, getting people into the affiliates, and getting people to want to uh, to improve their lives and be healthier. Interestingly, you're right with the COVID stuff. I think we're going to see a lot of that out of this. People are going to want solutions to train and to be fit and to be healthy because it is looking like being healthy is a major contributing factor to not dying from this thing. And so, um, therefore, as everything starts opening up, I'd like to think a lot of people in society will put a premium on their fitness and health choices and we'll look into options for training. And there just happens to be 15,000 affiliates around the world. So there's plenty of opportunity for them to go into, um, into gyms. I don't know how many of these are going to end up having to close out of this yeah. or, or not. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be unfortunate, but it will happen. But also I just saw in the news this morning, gold gym, for example, is closing a bunch of gyms. So I want to interject there for a minute because I think that it might be a good place to end the podcast, but I think for me, the most underrated aspect of CrossFit is community to the outside. And when I was exposed to Tommy's, the thing that I loved is it, is it made me feel I was back on my varsity wrestling team. Mm. There was barbecues on the weekend. There was a Valentine's day event. He had daycare. Like it really was a family. And in today's COVID, what we're seeing, and I, I don't talk ill of anyone's fitness product, but the big box gyms, they're not really a community. And so people are leaving in droves. Whereas the local CrossFit gyms, they seem to be doing all right because people are hanging on to their membership because they love. Well, I, their- I'll tell you this from, from my experience, even if the, the, the owner of the affiliate can't make rent and gets booted out of their facility, the community still exists. Those people are going to say, well, we'll just meet at a park and we'll figure it out. Like, I yeah, feel like there's a durability there. Yeah. Well, so then you combine that, let me, and I'll just say this, that, so you combine that with something that's not gimmicky and not ineffective, but with something that's highly effective 
and changes people's lives. And you have the recipe for, uh, for magic. You have community and you have a highly effective program that works and gets people results. Everybody results, not just certain people, but everybody. And, and that's, that's what's led to our success and us being so large and having such a great community. So, so coming out of this, I think with all the community stuff, I think CrossFit actually post COVID ends up in a much stronger position because of health and wellness, uh, because of the community, because people are really finding out what the word community means now. Yeah. What, what, what is head? Have you guys done like a pivot from head office direction in terms of managing COVID or do you have like plans? Here's the thing about the community and most of what you're describing is is best built at the local level. And uh, we've always said your best advertisement is the individuals that come out of your gym. So one person comes out of your gym and talks to their family and friends and raves about all the results. That's where we've seen how we've seen best success at people getting new members is word of mouth. And the word of mouth is about the results and about the community as you mentioned. So in Utah, who's going to develop community uh, better than Tommy? Uh, is he going to be able to do it better than we can? No, we're not going to be able to develop a community in his and spread that, that word of his community uh, better than he can on the ground in Utah. So we kind of really just, we step back and let the affiliates at the ground level build their brand, build their community, build their program. And we try to support from the top as best we can with, um, with intellectual property, IP issues, with spreading the word on a global scale and providing resources and, and training to the, uh, to the trainers. But Our- at this stage, there's not like some uh, sneaky plan to like, okay, now here's how we're going to, you know, get in front of COVID and drive a lot of people into to our gyms or gyms or anything like that. So we're not, you're, you're not transitioning to more at home workouts for the time. Well, being. We had on our, some of our social media, we promoted some more of that stuff just to, just because we've, the ones we're promoting for the most part are what affiliates are doing. So we're promoting at home stuff. And at the same time, promoting affiliates because promoting and supporting the affiliates is one of our top priorities. So we want to show at home options for people that affiliates are doing to, to promote um, the need to, to, uh, to keep training in these crazy times and uh, leveraging that affiliates are doing it and showing support to what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, and, and I really just want to say what an honor it is to have you on the podcast, because like I said, you guys have influenced what I do very heavily. It's funny. If you look at my book, if you look at my workouts, they're very CrossFit. And, um, I, I think, I think what CrossFit really deserves credit for is putting it together in such a succinct, manageable, digestible way. Because I, I knew about AS Prilipin's chart for, for strength. I knew about Pat O'Shea's IWT format. I knew about circuit training, but however CrossFit came together, it's brilliant the way it's packaged because it's, I can explain it to my 11 year old son and he gets it. Whereas if I hand him some of my encyclopedia textbooks, he's. Let me explain to you a periodized training with macro and micro cycles. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Right you know, it's, 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 it's really good. So, so Dave, it, it now comes favor time. I always ask people that are on the podcast for a favor. <laughs> what's, what's the chances of like a, a CrossFit workout going up on the main site called the Maximus? We'll <laughs> say, some, say some deadlifts, some skiers, some overhead squat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the skier. You're a beast on the skier. Uh-huh. That's 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 my thing. I used to hold some world records in it. Um, I actually had a funny a funny story for you. There's a a guy named Eddie Hall that I'm friends with, and I got to go over to England and train with him for a week. And I had the hundred meter world record on the skierg until he he's did. Never on a, he's never been on a skierg in his life, and he annihilated it. Well, he should have. He's in a box, uh, the mountain. Yeah, he is. He is. And and I'll tell you another funny story, Dave. My first day going to train with him, he picked up 200 kilo dumbbells and handed them to me. And he goes, shoulder press these for 40. No. I go, what the the fuck? He goes, yeah, that's the warm up. I'm like, Eddie, I'm out. I can't. (laughs) Did he do it? Uh, Yep. Jeez. He's. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I can't do that once. Well, what are you but saying? He was yeah. doing like like shoulder dislocates at the PVC, right? Like the pastors. He's doing them with an like empty barbell. Oh man! Like, dude, this is just, this is a different it's, planet. It's different. It's, he can also deadlift twelve hundred pounds. It's a different. But yeah, the 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 skier guy. I love. There was actually one event you guys had one year. I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna lie to you here, Dave. I threw a remote control at my television. <laughs> it was. I do this thing called the triathlon. It's a row. It is an airdyne bike or a rogue bike or a, a you know an assault bike, whatever whatever fan bike you want. And it's a skier after. And that time in the games, you had the row and the and, and the bike and, and the skier and that was the one event in my entire life I could have won I was so <laughs> fucking mad that I wasn't there. wasn't there wasn't there double unders in that one too there was and, and I often talk to Tommy him and I go back and forth about how that I would have won that event and he told me that the double unders would have chewed me up and spit <laughs> me out <laughs> well that's what I wonder if the double unders would have slowed you up too much you know, so it was a it was it was a funny thing, but it was great to see because it was all my all my equipment, you know. There, so um, listen for real. Thank you so much for your time. It's yeah, been thank uh, you very much. It's it, it's been wonderful, and again, love what you guys are doing, and and we're really excited as fans to see kind of what the future holds because it's cool. something thank that you. I wish a lot of people were uh, were exposed to. And 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 on that note too, I love that we're on ESPN now. Because it's so fun to watch the thing, you know. So, yeah. well, we have this year. We're not. We weren't the last couple of years, but we, you know, we get. We're always working different deals with different. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, besides ESPN TV's TV, yeah, the fact that I can watch it is such a such a wonderful thing. You know what yeah. I mean? So For sure. It's 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 exciting. So thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. This was fun.